Welcome to Vantage Point Podcast. I am Shannon Monet, teen motivational speaker coming to you from Light Podcast, and I am your host for today. This is the last week of Summer Takeover, and it has been a blast. This Summer Takeover has been filled with wonderful messages from amazing, powerful speakers, and I am thankful that I've had the chance to be a part of such an amazing event. And I am so honored and excited to be speaking with you. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the true definition of light. A man who is love. A man who showed grace and forgiveness. A man of compassion. A man full of wisdom, obedience, humility, a servant. A man of prayer. A man of gentleness honesty, gratitude, a man of true holiness and purity, a man who stood out, a leader, and a living example. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Meaning a believer in Jesus lives like Jesus Jesus, the living example, he calls us to walk in his footsteps. He is the blueprint. He calls us to reflect him on earth. Therefore, we must be Jesus walking on earth. Where does it start? How can I be Jesus walking on earth? Well, it starts with knowing who he is and what he did. And how do you know that? It's by reading his word. You can't grow to be like someone without knowing them. In relation to an actor, an actor, before they prepare for the part, they study the person that they'll portray in the movie. They study their character. They look at their background, how the person acts, how the person reacts. They analyze everything about that person so that they may be able to reflect them. So when others watch that movie, They don't see the actor. They see the person or character that they're portraying. It's similar to our walk of life. If we want to be Jesus walking on earth, we must study his word so that we may be able to betray and reflect him on earth. So people who are in the darkness may see the light that Jesus carried inside of you. Constantly stay in the light and focusing on Jesus. You can't reflect him in the dark similar to a mirror. If a mirror is in the darkness, how is it able to reflect anything? The light must be on in order for it to reflect. Another huge part of being Jesus on this earth is loving like he loved. If you analyze Jesus, you see he wasn't selective on who he loved. He didn't love this one and not the other. No, he loved everyone whether they loved him or not. He loved the unlovable. He loved the abandoned. He loved the rich, the poor, the young, the old, the sick, and the list goes on. He loved everyone. There was no conditions to his love. If Jesus loved everyone, that means we should do the same. No matter what background they have, no matter what they look like, what they stand for, what they believe in, 
whether you believe they deserve it or not, we still must love. He paid the price and endured the punishment that was meant for me and you to save us even though we didn't deserve his love. So therefore, we must love as he did. In John 13, 35, Jesus even told his disciples that the primary way the world would know that we belong to him was by our love for one another. When we practice loving like he loved, we become more and more like him. Any born-again believer can love the way God asks us to, because in his word, it says in Romans 5, 5, King James Version, in hope maketh not be ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Meaning God's love is already shed inside of you through the Holy Spirit. You just have to release it. Another part of being like Jesus is having a prayer life. In Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. Jesus spent time with God in prayer. He stayed connected with God and had a personal relationship with him. We must do the same. We must have that connection, that conversation with God on a daily basis. Don't ever lose that connection with God because he comes first, even when we're busy, even when our schedules are piled up. We still have to give him time because he deserves it. He deserves our time. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. Even if you're praying to him early in the morning before everyone gets up, or when you're taking a shower, or when you're at the gym, or over lunch, there's always time. We just have to make it for him. Don't ever lose that connection with God. Another trait of Jesus is he had forgiveness. Even in the midst of going through the most horrifying, painful, dreadful experience through the crucifixion, he still asked God to forgive them. We must forgive, even if they hurt you. We still must forgive. Jesus is the ultimate example of forgiveness. Despite everything they've done to him, he still forgave. In his word, it says in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Unforgiveness is poison. It's bad for our bodies. Unforgiveness creates an emotional storm of distress in which feelings of stress, anxiety, depression, insecurity, and fear surface. Unforgiveness also creates a hardened heart. The hardened heart feels anger, resentment, bitterness, and hatred toward the offender. Studies have shown this. Unforgiveness can keep our bodies and brains in this state of high alertness, and it leads to unhealthy results, such as insomnia, increased risk of heart disease, 
risk of higher blood pressure, low self-esteem, suppressed anger, and so much more. So I highly suggest that you forgive. It takes time, it takes steps, but you must forgive. It's important. First, I suggest that you acknowledge your pain. Working through pain can only happen once you admit that you've been hurt. Second, imagine being on the other side when you had to ask for forgiveness. How did it make you feel? In Matthew 7, 12, it says, do unto others what you would have them do to you. Put yourself in their shoes. Third, remember God's forgiveness. He forgave us multiple times, even when we didn't deserve it. Four, reflect on the word. Jesus states multiple times that we need to forgive, and it's even included in the Lord's Prayer, so it's very important. Fifth, let go of the hurt. Don't allow yourself to play what happened over and over and over and over again in your mind. Let go of the pain and choose to move forward. Don't hold it inside anymore. Six, continue to forgive. It's a serious decision that you must choose to make. And it's something that you most likely have to do over and over again. It may be painful, but it's a process that we must go through, but it will be worth it. Lastly, make sure you pray for the person or people who hurt you. In Matthew 5:44, Jesus commands us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us and pray to God for him to dissolve the negative emotions in your heart and to replace it with positive emotions and love towards the offender. And the good news is that studies have even found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge awards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and your sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression, stress, and many other sicknesses. Another special trait that Jesus carried other than forgiveness was humility. We must also be humble. And Mark 10:45 says, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was the King of Kings, yet he came on earth to serve. We can be humble by putting God first and his will first and treating others as you would like to be treated and simply to serve as he did and to love as he did and treated others first as he did, caring for more people other than yourself. Jesus studied the word. Even as a little boy, in Luke 2, 46 through 47, it says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. 
He was at the temple learning and studying God's word, which shows us how important his word is. When he faced temptation from the devil, and every time the devil approached him with something, he was able to fight back with the word of God as a sword. And guess what? He won. So every time the devil comes at you with something, do you know that you are able to fight back? And I'm not talking about with flesh and blood, but I'm talking about the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. The world is getting darker and darker. Depression, anxiety, fear, and lack of identity is running rapidly. Therefore, we must be getting brighter and brighter for such a time as this. We must stand and be who God has called us to be, going into the dark places and being the light. Jesus isn't going to come back down here on earth and do it for us. Therefore, it is our job to do his work and be a mouthpiece. He called us to do greater works. You have a special voice inside of you and a gift inside of you that God has placed that needs to be revealed and no longer concealed. Your gift is not for yourself alone, it's for that someone out there who needs to hear your voice. That special sound inside of you that only you can make. Your gift is used to plant that seed into someone. But what if I'm not qualified? If we were qualified, what would we need God for? You may have believed because of your age, your background, your level of education, your lack of experience makes you unqualified. But guess what? He qualifies the unqualified so his glory can shine through you. You are uniquely and wonderfully made with a God-given destiny that only you can fulfill. Look at Paul, who once was called Saul. He persecuted believers with his might and the law backing him. He even resisted the gospel, but God chose him and equipped him as a minister to the Gentiles. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 to 28, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yeah, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. As it says, God chose. This signifies that he intentionally chose you despite your limitations and weaknesses. As God creates the impossible possible, he transforms what others see as useless to useful. He transforms what others see as painful to gainful. And he transforms what others see as fruitless to fruitful. As a part of God's calling, one is given unique assignments designed to train and educate them so that they are able to walk into what he has called them to walk in, so that they are able to be prepared for the journey ahead. But I sin. I made too many mistakes. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I was in the same boat. I was in a season where I wanted to be the perfect Christian I was trying to be perfect on my own strength, and let me tell you, that didn't last very long. I set myself up for failure. 
I could never get it right 100% of the time. And I was getting frustrated, angry, and I felt defeated. In the midst of me trying to perfect myself, I was driving myself further and further and further away from God. Opening the door for the enemy to speak to me, making me think that I was not worthy of God. That I was a failure. That I couldn't walk in the destiny that God has laid out for me. They were all false statements. I was missing the mark. I was doing all the things that Christians did and I was doing the Christian actions, but God didn't have my heart. I was so focused on making sure that I was perfect that I lost track of my relationship with God. I was astray. I was in a deep hole and God ended up using a vessel and they prayed for me and they told me that God still wants to use me even when I messed up even when I failed him, even when I sinned, even when I drifted away, even when I made mistakes. He still loved me. He still wanted to use me. He still cared for me. We are called to be imitators of Christ, but we will never be perfect like he is. It's impossible. Rather than our perfection determining our relationship with God, it is Jesus that does. The perfect obedience of Jesus is credited to us. So when God looks at us, he sees perfection in us through Jesus. His death would have not been necessary if we could be perfect on our own strength. In Matthew 5.48, it does say, Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. But Jesus wasn't asking for perfection. This scripture means we have to be whole and complete and imitative because God is whole, standing for righteousness, a whole person behavior that accords with God's will, nature, and coming kingdom, striving for holiness, being completely dedicated, which is what Jesus is trying to show us through Matthew 5.48. And even in previous scriptures, he is inviting us into a different way of seeing in a world that is more than just a focus on the externals, but as an invitation to the kind of wholeness we long for. That only he can do through us by following him by the power of the Spirit. Before I close this episode, I would like to pray for you. Father, touch every person on here who listened in on today. I ask that you increase their wisdom and understanding. Help them to be the atmosphere changers that you have called them to be, where when they walk in the room, the atmosphere automatically changes. In every dark room they walk in, let it be filled with light. And not only that, but let your fire pour on each and every person listening, where it never burns out. Consume them with your fire where it's not confined, but where it's released in their homes, to their schools, to their friends, to their workplaces, where it spreads rapidly among the globe, a fire outbreak in our nations all over the world, to the young and old, where people desire a relationship with you, that they may draw nigh to you for such a time as this. Help us to love like you and to walk like you here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.